You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And that's where Ryan would go. I'm Ryan. Ryan's not here tonight, though. Uh, so it's just me on Force Friends Rewatch. We watch Star Wars television shows and we talk about them. We are currently covering season one of The Mandalorian, episode four, Sanctuary. We've covered every Mando-themed episode of Clone Wars, of Rebels, and now we are uh, knee-deep in The Mandalorian uh, to get us through this episode with Ryan gone here to carry me up Mount Doom. We have Chase <laughs> from That Gay Jedi. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Chase, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry we're down a host, but I could not be more thrilled that, uh, you know, you're, you're still here to, to hang out and talk Star Wars. Absolutely, always. Uh, so, uh, you have a YouTube channel called That Gay Jedi that I am obsessed with. You have episodes Thank that you. drop every Friday at 3 p.m. I know because I have the <laughs> reminder set. Thank uh, you. If I'm busy at work, it is like excruciating to know that I have to wait like an hour and a half till I get to watch it. But then that oh. is the first thing I do when I'm done my my work day. That means uh, a lot. Thank you. Wow. So, sometimes I watch at work. Don't tell my boss. But <laughs> yeah, it's always a bright spot. I feel like it kicks off my weekend. Amazing. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. That's awesome. What about Star Wars? Did you, was it where you were like, this is, this is a YouTube channel. Like I, I need to, to talk about this. I, I think it was so at the top of the quarantine and sort of the beginning of 2020, I I did a whole binge of all, I mean, basically everything Star Wars. And then I ended up volunteering for sort of in like an online con or like fest because uh, I think it was, yeah, it's called Force Fest. And I was volunteering and just kind of helping run things for, for the program. And it was awesome. And it was so much fun, like hearing from all these different Star Wars creators. And so like something about like my Star Wars binge mixed with like volunteering for that program, I was like, okay, I love all of this. And like, I think that there needs to be a little bit um, more queerness in Star Wars. I mean, I know there's, there is so much already like amazing queer stuff in Star Wars, but there, I just want there to be more. And there was also something so generous and like the spirits of like all the Star Wars fans that were just giving so much in that like digital, like festival. So I was also really inspired by that. And I wanted to be able to give back to the Star Wars community because I think the fans make it, what it is in in a lot of ways so i wanted to sort of like add to the to the like plethora of amazing star wars content already out there and specifically for you know centering uh lgbtq you know queer people i think that was an important part of it too for me you do uh a damn fine job of of that i mean your you. your latest video as of recording this uh not to 
you know, peek behind the, the curtain. We, we record uh, plenty of time before we release the episode. So uh, this video will be a few weeks old by that point. But your latest video as of recording this was about like queer fandom perspective. And it was so cool to uh, hear from all of these different fans who wrote into your Oh survey. my gosh. Yeah, that was such a fun video to do. I really want to do more of those because... I mean, one of the biggest things about that, about my channel that I'm very passionate about is I don't want it to be um, all about me, especially with like the limited worldview I have. I just uh, I really want it to be able to like amplify the voices of all queer Star Wars um, fans. And so what's fun about that survey and just survey videos in general is there's a lot of folks who aren't necessarily comfortable being on camera. So this is, I think, mm -hmm. a really wonderful way to allow them to express themselves like through a platform like YouTube that they might not necessarily have um, the like the interest in doing, you know, some people just aren't like, they're not down to do the camera thing, which is awesome and totally fine. Um, so I loved being able to do that And it. And it, what's so cool about getting those surveys out is finding all the common denominators between everyone's responses um, despite of, and because of everyone's different backgrounds, you know, it's, it's wild how much, we all have in common as queer. Of course, there's so many differences, but it, it is pretty wild how much we have in common as queer Star Wars fans. So it's always fun to see like what lines up in that way. That's a really good point too. And something that, you know, when you're, when you throw a label on yourself and then you throw a more specific label on yourself and then maybe even another more specific label, mm -hmm. uh, you can kind of lose sight of the common struggle of all queer right. people right and um i think that's where sometimes infighting gets from and you know if hyper specific labels do work for you that's great and right. like i want to celebrate your identity in that and the community you found using that that label but i do think it's so valuable to connect still with other uh you know categories in the rainbow as it were mm-hmm mm-hmm Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the other thing that was interesting about that survey video, not to harp on it too much, but what was fun about it was sort of having um, straight Star Wars fans watch it and learn a little bit more about the queer Star Wars fan experience. And, you know, one of my good friends is a straight, a huge um, Star Wars fan and he's straight. And he was like, that was one of my favorite videos you've done, which I definitely Love didn't that. anticipate from him, but it was so, yeah, it's just awesome. And I think that um, being able to like share that with, um, you know, everyone is, is an important thing. It's, it was really cool to do. So hopefully I'll do more of those in the future, but yeah. Yeah. What is the, the fan in general, the fan reaction been with starting the YouTube channel? You're still pretty new a, a mm -hmm. few months, maybe yeah. three, yeah. four months, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been honestly, I mean, yeah, very new to it, but it's been, I mean, overwhelmingly positive. I haven't had any, any trolls or any negativity really um just a lot of like happiness and like joy and and it's been fun i mean it, it's also my favorite thing about the the queer side of the fandom specifically is how supportive that space is and how inclusive i have found it to be um it i just feel like there's a, a natural sort of security blanket within that sect of the fandom um and so it's just been awesome. I mean, it really has been. And it's been really fun being able to talk with everyone 
um, and hear everyone's like different points of view and hear what people are interested in hearing more about or people like, you know, maybe aren't as interested in certain things. But overall, the reaction has been, I mean, only positive. I have only received positive, loving energy, which I'm very grateful for. <laughs> I, uh, I, like many a Star Wars fan, you know, came to it very early in life. And it, mm-hmm. it's something that's kind of always been there. And it, I did not expect that when I came out, Star Wars mm. would be something that, like, suffered. I kind of thought that, like, that's a constant that's always been there, and I'm always going to at least have that. Right. And when so much of my uh, life was kind of thrown into turmoil with coming out, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assumed that Star Wars would still be there and, uh, mm. lo and behold, it really wasn't. I, I kept finding that now that I've, you know, kind of announced, you know, my queerness to the world, if I still wanted a seat at the table of fandom, it was almost like, Hey, just don't talk about it. Like, mm. it's fine that you're queer, but like. Don't talk about that and don't get it on my Star Wars. And that was really shitty. Of course. And uh, I just got frustrated enough with being told no, like there's not room for you here that I was like, well, fuck you guys. I'm making my own table. Period. Uh, Yes. And Ryan is uh, a very good friend of mine. And I I was, you know, I started my other podcast to keep in touch with my, my buddy Ronnie with ending pending. Um, and so I was like, well, I could start another podcast to keep in touch with Ryan. And like, we have star Wars in common. So like, let's make our own thing and finding this like queer star Wars community from making this podcast was just fucking rad. So yeah, it's been so cool to like get plugged into that community and have this space in fandom. So how has that has that like healed healed that you know some of the wounds that that might have caused being you know don't get your queerness on my Star Wars has that been healing for you because I mean I'd imagine it to be a little bit yes and no like I do like fucking love this creative corner that mm-hmm. I've gotten plugged into uh, especially like on Twitter oh yeah uh, that's been really great um you know, getting to connect with you and with Pink Milk and with Joe and with yeah. uh, Chicks with Dice and uh, a ton of just, like, phenomenally rad queer creators is really cool. Um, yeah. But there are, there are definitely still issues in the fandom uh, oh, that absolutely. I feel like are there. Like, I was in the 501st and I felt like I had to leave. Um, I'm in the Rebel Legion and I enjoy it, but uh, I'm specifically not too active in it because mm-hmm. there's still a lot of negativity. Uh, thank God for pride squadron, which yes. is a, a queer group of all of the members of the different major star Wars costuming club. Uh, that's really a great resource and is, is really cool. Um, I'm a big gamer, uh, specifically like tabletop games Mm-hmm. And uh, I love all of the Star Wars ones. Um, I, I've played, you know, probably nine out of the ten big releases from the, the past, you know, ten years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding spaces where, like, it's chill to play is 
difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'll, I'll find a comic book shop. I'll go for a few weeks. Uh, eventually like small talk comes up besides just bitching about the movies or shows or whatever, (laughs) or someone will see my engagement ring or, you know, I I won't take my makeup off or something and I'll Mm -hmm. show up to play. And then the energy gets weird. And, uh, that is frustrating. I've, I've painted up a beautiful Legion army and I don't get to play anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's issues still. Uh, so it has been healing. Yes. But, um, I, I wish it was better. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, it's, that's complete bullshit, but it, in some ways it's just important to remind ourselves as a community, like of how far we have to go, like we have to go specific. I mean, obviously in general, there's so many, you know, directions we need to grow and, um, get better, but specifically even just within the queer Star Wars community still, it's like there's there's always room for improvement and and more voices at the table and more representation and more respect and all that so it's a good reminder i mean it's yeah did you with that big rewatch you did at 2020 was that Mm kind of like your first dive in or have you always been you know a star wars fan too um my my introduction to star wars was chaotic to say the least like i i grew up like solely on like Lego Star Wars video games and like space balls. And like, I, I watched that. it was so, it was so chaotic. And then like the prequels, obviously, I mean, I was born in 95. So a lot of like just prequel energy, like in my childhood. Um, but that was like, honestly, the bulk of my entry into the, into Star Wars. And then I took basically a long, long break until 2020 when I got back into it. So it was really interesting revisiting it um, from when I was a kid to, to now. And I think, one of the biggest things was in, in revisiting it was like, oh, oh, wait, this is really gay. Like, this is gay. You know yeah. what I mean? So that was an exciting thing to sort of realize. And it's honestly like, I don't I don't think I get super like invested in things that aren't inherently queer by nature, even if it's subtextual and subliminal and, you know, symbolic of queerness. I I won't really get invested in it. And so I think the fact that I was able to get so like dig back into like that love like dig back deeply into that love for Star Wars I had as a kid um, speaks to how, how gay it is, how queer it is. I I think it was uh, Chris Claremont who said that every uh, comic is someone's first. Oh, I love that. I think that's true of Star Wars and that like, no matter what it is, whether it's an exclusive Taco Bell cup, <laughs> whether it's uh, a Lego video game, whether yep. it's an action figure of uh, Will Row Hood, you know, like whatever, whatever it is, it's going to be someone's first Star Wars. And that's so cool that like, no, you came from Spaceballs and the Lego video <laughs> game. And then, yep. you know, the, the prequels, which like at the, People forget, but at the time, the prequels were controversial, to to put yeah. it mildly. And right. uh, people have only really in the last, I feel like since The Last Jedi came out, have come around on them. But um, yeah, I think that's such a fun entry point. And then to revisit it, 
you know, older and wiser with an, a new perspective is really valuable. Yeah, it was it was fun. And, and what's so it was so funny about like also sort of just I mean, growing up, I, I you know, I started to realize like even like though I wasn't as invested in Star Wars, I still like understood that like people didn't really like the prequels once I was like older. But as a kid, like watching those prequels as they came out, it was everything. And like it was kind of nice, too, because I didn't have I had no way of knowing um the response that it had got from the majority of fans, which kept me safe in my little fantasy of how amazing those movies were. And I just got to like, love them with like, without a care in the world. So that was kind of fun. Not to mention it was like plastered everywhere, like merchandise wise on all the food, all the snacks, all the everything. So it was, it was fun. (laughs) I had a giant Jar Jar poster over my bed. I love that. Yeah. uh... Iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, disturbing to look back at. It it was a pretty cursed poster. Oh, but uh, you know, I had no idea that you know, quote unquote, fans hated Jar Jar. I loved Jar Jar. I thought Jar Jar was hilarious. Yeah, Uh, I still love Jar Jar. Me too. I don't understand. It was it was so so funny about the Jar Jar hate to me is that like he so clearly feels like just a clown role in the story. I mean, that's his role. You know what I mean? And so I don't really understand. Like if you don't, I don't understand like why people don't like that. I'm like, do you want him to be something that he's not like what's going on here? You know what I mean? So, or maybe they, I don't know, but I respect you and that cursed poster. I hope it, I don't know. I hope you find that again someday because that's kind of iconic. And I think it was like lime green in the background with like weird, shapes that like almost looked like blood cells but they were lime green and like <laughs> jar jar with like a big goofy smile and i think he was doing like a a wave or a thumbs up or something oh yeah wow. boy yeah that definitely came to life at night <laughs> the, the the prequel uh merchandise is is always something that is going to crack me up i love they it. were just they were just pumping it out uh oh absolutely i i really want to do a video just sort of deep diving on all of the chaotic merch that was put out. I just think that'd be so fun to talk about because there's just so much to it. There's so much to it. One more question. Okay. What has been your favorite video you've done so far on uh, That Gay Jedi? If it's the survey one, pick a second favorite. Okay, I love that question. Thank you. Um, I think my favorite one was... Um. I think it was the 3PO video, the Seems Gay C3PO. Um, I would say it would I would say it was the Finpo one, but I think the C3PO one was the first time I kind of realized that I could have a little bit more I take things very seriously, like too seriously. So what was fun about that is it it kind of taught me to have a lot more fun. And at the same time, like I've always liked C3PO, but to like make a like to spend a week with him and like really make like a whole like dedication to him. Um, just made me bond with him in new ways. And I kind of didn't realize how much I, how much I loved him until I made that video. That's a really good choice. I think what's, what's so tough about 3PO is that he is a little underused outside of the original trilogy. Oh yeah. Like, like they just don't know what to do with him. And the prequels and in the sequel trilogy rise of skywalker is his best movie right 
And uh, personally, I did not love Rise of Skywalker, but <laughs> I love I love three PO in it, and it's my favorite yes. part of that movie. And so, uh, in some ways, it's like, well, at least like Anthony Daniels really got to go out with a banger. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I I love that character, even though sometimes the writers, you know, even in like books and comics and stuff. They don't always know how to use him effectively. Right. And it's very meta. <laughs> those first three movies, he's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And he, he's kind of the star of A New Hope. Like, oh, in a huge way. I completely agree. I mean, obviously, like, you know, I mean, he's one of the first things we see, one of the first characters we meet. And he's and I feel like he's he holds his importance in the story till the very end, which is something that's rare with him. You know, I think there's like moments where writers, like you said, sometimes they know what to do with him, but other times he's just kind of like there. Um, but I love in a new hope. I think you have a great point. And I think it's, he just kind of holds his, his importance throughout the film. We meet him, you know, 15 minutes before we meet Luke. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, you could say Leia, but she's then, you know, kind of off on the side for, large chunks in the movie, but 3PO and R2, you know, have got to be the most screen time. And oh, yeah. R2 can't talk. So, like, 3PO is, you know, kind of the, the hero character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you are very right. He seems very gay. He seems very gay. He just see, yeah. I, and it was so funny. I, I fully, I, like, just, I mean, this is maybe bad, but I assumed that Anthony Daniels was gay for a very long time. Um, so it's kind of heartbreaking when I found out that, well, you know, I don't know how he identifies explicitly, but um, I kind of, I kind of had hoped that he was a little bit more uh, uh, queerer as a, as a person performing the role, just because he's so, he's just so queer to me. C-3PO is. Yeah, I totally get that. I had, you know, some of the same assumptions and, uh, you know, he's never, to my knowledge, spoken about how he identifies, but he is married to a woman. Right. Um, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a finding out like Santa isn't real. Moment. Yeah, it um, was very, it was very that. Yes. I then had to like double check that Alan Cummings was, was, was queer. I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> yeah. Anthony Daniels isn't, is, is Alan Cummings at least? And like, yeah, we're safe lads. Alan, Alan Cummings is, uh, is still proudly bisexual. Love yes. Him. Yes, me too. All right. So now we'll dig into this episode of the Mandalorian. We're watching season one, episode four sanctuary. Uh, it picks up with, um, you know, this kind of like, chill like lagoon-esque kind of swamp planet like finding nemo (laughs) yeah and then like smash cut to space orcs uh like doing doing a raid uh it felt very like kind of tolkien uh esque to me very uh burning of the west fold you know riders Mm -hmm. of rohan peter jackson movie Mm -hmm. and um uh, there is a mother and daughter who hide, and uh, then we pick back up with Mando. He lands on the planet. Uh, he is trying to figure out how to be a parent still in a lot of ways. He like tells Grogu to wait. That's not going to happen, my dude. Uh, he 
is planning on just laying low and he meets another badass. They have a badass fist fight. We're introduced to Cara Dune. Uh, they become friends after punching each other. They then split up. Mando's planning on leaving. And we meet two guys from the village who are uh, trying to pull a Magnificent Seven. Um, Mando, you know, turns them down, then agrees, goes and finds Cara Dune, gets her to sign up, and they go to the village. Uh, the woman, it turns out, is just like an actual literal angel, and it's just the best. Her daughter's real chill. They try and teach Mando some parenting lessons. Mando and Kara find out the, the space orcs have an ATST. It's time to fucking leave. The villagers are like, hey, what if we all become big toughies, though? <laughs> And Mando and Cara Dune are like, seems unlikely. And they're like, but what if y'all helped us become big toughies? And they were like, still seems unlikely, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> uh, you know, more Magnificent Seven happens. Uh, Mando and Cara Dune come up with a strategy that very much calls back to the Ewoks on Endor without explicitly being the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they, they save the day. Mando is like, maybe I'm gonna stay and uh, make sweet space love to this nice woman, but maybe I'm gay and waiting to meet Timothy <laughs> Oliphant, so maybe I won't. Uh, Mando realizes he can't leave Grogu behind because there's more bounty hunters. They they have uh, the, the 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 bullshit tracker thing, oh. and uh, they gotta run. And yep. that's the that's the episode. There it is. That's my recap. That's a good recap. You got it all. I watched the episode this morning. I mean, the, the recaps become way more feral and unhinged if <laughs> uh, it's been a week right. from when I've watched it. But I watched this one maybe like three hours ago, so it's fresh. Okay, perfect. So what did you think about this episode? Did you have any any moments that really stood out to you as like, fuck yeah? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many. Um, I, I love this episode. I just think Bryce Dallas Howard has a really amazing, amazing ability to direct Star Wars on screen. And I hope we see more from her. Um, I just think she's amazing. Um, I think what's fun about this episode is, first of all, I have to say, like, I know it happens at the end of the episode and we can get into it later, but I need to talk about this ATST because like ATSTs never look scarier. Like, I'm obsessed with the way it rises like a zombie, like, you know, like this old dead relic brought to life, like with these glowing red eyes and like all this like dirt and grime. And it just like reads as its own thing. You know what I mean? It is filmed like it is a horror movie monster. Yes. Yes. And I love it. Like even it's even it's um, it's like feet grip the edge of the land right by like the hole that they dug, which is yeah. like just like such a cool like thing to it. And I don't know, you can't even, you don't, you wouldn't even think necessarily that there's like people driving the ATST. It just feels like its own beast and, it, and it's so fun and so creepy. I think that was just such a creative choice. Even the, the trope of kind of like finding the footprint in the forest first. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, it's, it is, it is a monster to, to be defeated. It's a dragon. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, you know it was that we get some of the best grogu moments in this episode so many of like 
we really do. We get the we get the soup and we get getting scared by the Lothcat and then him flipping the switch on and off and Mando's, you know, in the razor crest. Um, which is also so fun because it it I think that moment of Grogu flipping that switch on and off, it feels like such a a nice moment for the relationship where Grogu is sort of like pushing boundaries and and finding where his relationship with Mando is in a way. It just reminds me of like like I have my my puppy's eight eight months old now. Her name is Ahsoka. Um yeah, and so it just reminds me very much of like that kind of thing where there comes a time with I mean she's still arguably is still there where she likes to push her boundaries and just see how far she can push me so I loved that kind of thing I think that it added to a lot a lot to their relationship too uh kind of a a disappointing mark against this show is that it takes till episode four till we get like named women other than the armorer right which right. is a huge bummer that it took half a season practically till we really yeah. get uh like some some women characters with agency and um you know more going on than you know a mystery wrapped in a helmet uh but they're they're all great um uh Amara especially is absolutely phenomenal um yeah. and uh I really loved Cara Dune in this episode when it first aired. I'm sure we will get into yes. that with negatives, but, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I mentioned that I play Legion. I got a custom Cara Dune figure made for Legion so that I could oh. field her in my rebel army. Yeah. I have no idea what to do with now. <laughs> um, I'm kind of hoping that they'll recast her, but if they don't, yeah. I might just like paint it up in trans pride colors i don't know that's it that's the thing that's the thing to do that's awesome that'd be so epic i don't know we'll see we'll see but yeah uh i love that we finally got some ladies on screen um and like different types of strength like yeah uh you know cara dune is you know tactically like very bright and is clearly a physical threat and Mm -hmm. uh omera has like such emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. um i i really love just how like insightful she is and uh i hope she comes back uh i would like to see more of her i would love that yeah yeah i also like what i loved another thing i loved about omera omera is like she really lays it on thick like she i just remember like when when i was watching that episode for the first time I was just like, okay, we are all Omera. We are all just completely and painfully attracted to this man behind the mask. <laughs> yeah, there's something about a dude in armor. Like, absolutely. Mando can get it. I mean, Pedro Pascal, what a snack. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, their chemistry read so, so awesome on screen. But what's funny to me is he's still, Mando still in this episode reads so gay to me. I mean, yeah. even like, even in this episode where they're like kind of like trying to show you like, you know, this other life Mando could have with like this beautiful, amazing, smart, talented woman, Omera, like, but they're trying to set it up like that. But to me, it, it kind of almost read as like Mando being an, an awkward closet, like feeling awkward. And he's like closeted and he's being hit on by a woman. He just doesn't want to be mean and turn her down. But he also like isn't totally comfortable with it because he's like closeted. You know what I mean? I mean, that was me in seminary like exactly exactly yeah like i could have 
you know, arguably a perfectly fine life settling down with this woman who is into me for some inexplicable reason. (laughs) And even though I don't feel that connection, I could convince myself maybe. And he turns her down even before he thinks that Grogu's in danger. And I think that's really important. I absolutely, I completely agree. And then like less important, but like equally sus was, was like, I just felt like Mando didn't necessarily like turn his head too much when she was like a badass shooter and all this kind of stuff. And like, there's like a scene where he just like his handing out the guns and there's like no moment of like lingering or anything. Like he's just kind of like, okay, we're getting down to business. We're just doing the business thing. You know what I mean? So that was funny. Yeah. It's, um, I do think that there is a connection between them, but I don't think it's romantic. I don't either. I don't either. And also that scene of her, um, I don't know. Also, just the whole scene of her about to remove his helmet at the end of the episode. I'm sorry. I'm like jumping all over the place. No, that's fine. But it it did kind of feel Din's helmet almost coming off kind of feels like coming out to me in a way, you know, like Din. Maybe she's like helping Din take off his helmet, but he's just not ready to do that yet. And I know that's like kind of a stretch, but like, I think that energy is there in a way. No, I mean, that was something that we talked about, uh, I think, in the episode with uh, Brian from Pink Milk of that, like, the helmet coming off. It does really read to lots of queer fans as a coming out. And it's like, if this many fans didn't read it that way, like, like, if so many fans have read it that way, then clearly there's a subtext going on there. Yes, I completely agree. Yes. Yeah. Um, And, like, yeah, it. this episode feels really gay. Like, I mean, kind of yes. all of them do, but, like, this one specifically <laughs> is uh, a very subtextually heavy queer episode. I agree completely. I th- That was one of my favorite things about this episode was just the queer energy and, like, it's just kind of off the charts. I mean, we have a huge underdog victory. The women are all kicking ass and giving orders. The men want to run away. The bullies are like completely chased off the playground. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's so, so queer. There, There is some like feral jock energy with these space orcs. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, IMDB is telling me they're platoonian raiders. Uh, I had to also Google that. I was like, I, what are these things called? Yeah, I don't I don't know what they are. I've been calling them space orcs since this episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there, there's some like jock bro-y kind of energy of. Um, yes. Yeah. And they get their 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 butts whooped and it's great. It's iconic. We love it. I grew up on Westerns and uh, what we talked about in the episode with Andrew from Paper Brook productions covering the pilot how how much of a western you know the mandalorian is right and this episode specifically is a callback to the magnificent seven in Mm -hmm. um a lot of good ways and uh if you were on star wars discourse internet whether that be youtube or twitter uh there were a lot of you know bad faith arguments against this episode specifically because it centered women yep And one of those bad faith arguments, you know, they start nitpicking everything when they have an agenda for disliking something. 
one of yes. the big nitpicks was this was too much like the Magnificent Seven. And there was a Clone Wars episode that does the Magnificent Seven. And how yes. on earth could the Magnificent Seven happen twice in the same universe? Um, <laughs> and it's it's hilarious because one, while both these episodes are callbacks to the Magnificent Seven, they're they're subtle in their callbacks. You know, the Clone Wars one is a little bit on the nose because yeah, I think much. there's actually seven of them. I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah, the Felucia arc, right? Yeah, the 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 Felucia arc. There's four bounty hunters and then three Jedi. Oh my gosh, I did not even put that together. Um, but this, there's, I mean, there's only two people. Um, mm-hmm. and like broad strokes of like villager in danger, they hire experts to help. Like, sure, like. You know, that broad strokes for sure that 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 is, you know, both episodes. But like right. the motivations of the the POV characters are hugely different. Yes. Like uh the backstories of the POV characters are hugely different. The villages are extremely different. The raiders or the baddies are extremely different. Right. And like if you know the Magnificent Seven, one, you know it's been remade so many times like Mm -hmm. countless times and two it is itself a remake so like it's a remake of seven samurai so doing kind of like multiple nods to it when it was also a hugely influential work on george i don't see a problem with that one yeah yeah two filoni did both of them so like yeah It's not like someone was ripping off Dave Filoni, like he's involved in this project and it's different enough that like also like history repeats itself. So like Absolutely. Do you mean to tell me that in a galaxy full of millions of planets, two different planets couldn't be like have the same idea of like, oh shit, we're getting our asses booked by these raiders. We should hire some mercenaries. Like that's what you do. You hire like mercenaries get hired by people. Right. Anyway, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like fully listening to this and I completely agree because the other thing too, is it's just so star, it's so star Wars. I mean, like you said, like, is it, it's called seven samurai, right? I haven't seen it. Seven samurai is the very original. And then it was remade, uh, into an extremely popular Western called the magnificent seven. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so, but it's just so funny how people can, can come at it for that when it's like like you said it's it's one of the original like inspirations for a lot of star wars and it's something that hugely influences you know dave filoni's work so it's just it's goofy that people would have an issue with that and also it kind of like you know no spoilers but it has similar vibes at least not the exact story but to like the last episode of the bad batch i mean the last episode of the bad batch had very much like a you know unplug and recharge vibe it didn't have any of like the training villagers necessarily but it had sort of like that you know getting that perspective and distance and kind of just seeing how like you know the bad batch got to see how you know cut lived and everything like that so it you know it's just it's like poetry it, it repeats itself what is what does george lucas say it's it's like poetry it rhymes right it rhymes it rhymes yeah. exactly and like i'm a huge western fan and so whenever mm-hmm. star wars does do the western thing and westerns are hugely inspired by samurai movies so like Star Wars loves mashing up uh, different genres, whether it be right. Western or fantasy or samurai. 
And, you know, to have, you know, the show The Mandalorian not do that somewhere would be weird, one. And two, the idea of these really seasoned badasses taking people who are defenseless under their wings and teaching them to, like, rise up and fight back on their own. Mm -hmm. Like, that feels super Star Wars. So just because one creator kind of took themes and inspiration for a show that aired, you know, 10 years previously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, was an animated show and aimed at a younger audience to tell that creator 10 years later, like, Oh, you told that story once in a 20 minute cartoon. You're not allowed to use those kind of similar motifs and themes and call it out again, you know, later in a, totally different project in a different medium with a different creative team seems bonkers to me yeah it seems a little bit like suffocating to work in a i don't i don't want to work in a world like that like yeah it's almost like these people had different issues with the episode it's it's almost as if a woman directed it and they wanted to tear it apart yeah yeah uh and like you said she's incredible oh my god what was it? Was it Bryce Dallas Howard who did this episode? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Just, just an absolute champ of a director. Like, I agree. Fucking, I honestly, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say she fucking nailed this episode. It's such a good episode. Yes, she absolutely did, and she also gave us the um the Bo Katan reveal episode in in season two, which was one of the best episodes, and not because Bo Katan was in it necessarily. Just some of the best it was just action. Amazing exactly oh my god she's so so good she's Running so through good the gazanti and stuff was so cool yes absolutely and that was also like if you watch the behind the scenes um special in season two it was like one of the hardest episodes to direct because they had to film this like green screen boat scene but also like film it like she it was just hearing her i mean i could listen to her talk for hours and i just think she's i think she's very um underrated and i don't think that people not not I mean Star Wars aside, I just don't think that she's necessarily revered the way that she deserves to be. She's incredible. She's and she's she's a good person too. I mean, she's like just cool, you know? I love her. Well, she she was an actor f- first and is still an actor and I feel like especially women when they make the jump from acting to directing, yes. there is a certain stigma uh, around them and kind of wanting to classify them as one thing where right. if a man jumps from acting to directing um, you know that's a seamless transition but right. yeah I completely agree that she is underrated Yeah, and uh, I think her work speaks for itself I agree and can I say one more thing about this episode that I love that yeah. you know I think that was part, part of partly her also part of the writing but the most like subtle world building um, to really like happens in this episode to really let us know like what type of town and like planet then just landed on. And it's when it's when like the is she's either like the cantina owner or she's like a barista or whoever she is. She I don't like when she um gets kind of tipped off by Din to like, you know, watch the kid and do this and do this and get information on this person. Like he's trying to get like, you know, some dirt on on um Cara Dune and kind of see what's going on with her but what's so interesting to me is I don't think she when she gets like thrown money by Din I don't think she really like 
understands the concept of of like bribing, which is like yeah. a cool touch mm-hmm. because it just shows like the kind of planet or like village that Din's at. It's just a wholesome sort of like innocent. There's an innocence to that town that is also nicely juxtaposed against where Din comes from. And sort of like the worlds that we like the the interactions Din has had in the previous episodes, all of a sudden like is flipped on his head. He's still thinking he's like kind of like playing a dirty game, like, you know, the bounty hunter vibe. And he's like bribing people, trying to get info and all this kind of stuff. And she's just like, this guy just keeps throwing me money. And that's like really cool. Like he's very nice. Like, I don't think she's so happy you brought this up. I took a note on it that it's so funny. Like, how many times have we seen a scene where the tough guy asks you know, the bartender a question and the bartender plays dumb and then the yes. tough guy slides the the bartender money and then gets all of the information that he's looking for. And this poor woman is just like, oh, like, golly gee, thank you so much. And it's so <laughs> funny. It, yes. It's such a subtle joke, but it lands so hard and then they bring it back again and it's still yes. hilarious. Yes. And I, it was so funny. It's just such a creative, awesome choice. And I, to the point where it like, it just threw me, right? Like the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, what's going on? I'm like, is she, does she get it? Like, I was like, just kind of confused because it was, it just completely subverted what I had expected at that moment. Um, But that's exactly why it hits so hard. And it's, it's so good. And that actor is phenomenal. She's amazing. Like, uh, I just loved it. I love that moment. It's just beautiful, subtle world building that, that is so creative. Uh, something that I love is that the fight between Kara and Din is brutal. Yes. And it's allowed to be brutal. Yes. So often, even still, even in 2021, action movies or shows, if a man is fighting a woman, the fight has a different kind of softer energy to it maybe right. you know someone won't get punched in the face or or something like that or right. it um the kind of like waify kung fu that uh gross joss whedon kind of popularized with oh, yeah. uh, uh summer glow and firefly and buffy and um, buffy you know it's kind of more of a dance than a fight and like mm-hmm. no this is just a fucking like fist fight between two badasses yes. in an alley behind a bar and yep. one of them happens to be a woman and one of them happens to be a guy and like it doesn't matter they just beat the shit out of each other <laughs> and it's great it's a really good fight scene i'm i also took notes on that too i'm glad you brought it up because it it it's such an awesome th- okay and I guess we're kind of entering, you know, Gina land, but it it's such an awesome introduction to her character. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so awesome to see like her fight training, like come, come out. I mean, you, you, I watched that scene and I was like, okay, this bitch like knows, she knows how to fight. Like she knows what she's doing and it's iconic. Like I loved that scene is so cool. And, and her acting was never necessarily like stellar to me, but between like the 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 fighting and then like just the concept of the character i was like i'm i love like this cara dune character i love where she can go and like i love hearing about where she's been and of course again just watching her kick ass it's like i mean she just does it she she's a she's a good fighter yeah she is uh i i would i would say not a great actor but her physical presence on set and like in scenes is very strong. 
Absolutely. Uh, at the start of quarantine, I bought all of the Fast and Furious movies and I made my fiance and housemate watch all of them with me, <laughs> having not seen them. Uh, they are also incredibly homoerotic, uh, very unintentionally so, and very huh. funnily so. Uh, yeah. It is hilarious how gay those movies are without trying to be. But uh, Gina is in one of them and gets some dope fight scenes. But her oh. uh, her acting is, uh, you know, maybe not no. the, the best. Um, right. I don't want to take cheap shots at her for not being a great actor. Oh, no. Because she's a terrible person. Yeah. But she's also not a great actor. And that doesn't, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are, will be like, you know, I'll bring up Gina's transphobia and they'll be like, oh, well, she sucks at acting. So who cares? And like, they'll kind of be like, oh, well, yeah, she can't act and like kind of brush uh. it aside. And like, I don't want to do that. Like, no, right, she's right. Her, her acting is fine. It's not right. great. But that doesn't make the blow of her transphobia like lighter because she isn't the best performer, you know? Right. I agree. I agree. And also, again, like, I love the character of Cara Dune. I love the idea of that. Like, just the hearing, just hearing her like talk about, like, talking about like her backstory to, to Den is like, I just remember, I'm like, okay, this is like a cool concept for a character. And that, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. I find her disappointing, but like, it was just disappointing to like lose that, that character. I'm like, Oh my God, of course, like, you know, you had to play Cara Dune, the character, because that character is freaking cool. And I, and I would like to, you know, we talked about recasting earlier and like, I, I'm never always like, never always. I don't typically like, um, recasts, but with Cara Dune, I'm like, that character is just so cool. Like, I hope we can get, I hope we could get that recast. That would be something I'd be willing to do because that character is just so cool. I wish Hollywood would recast more, to be honest. Like, yes, I agree. Especially with uh, the digital technology we have now, I feel like people are trying to steer away from uh, recasting. And like, I love the episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation with young Picard. They mm. found this kid who does an amazing Patrick Stewart and looks kind of like him. Like if you squint, like you can see a young Patrick Stewart, but he does a phenomenal impression and he does a phenomenal Jean-Luc Picard. And like, it would have been a fucking shame if they had just digitally de-aged Patrick Stewart and not had that kid like kill it in that role. And like, can you imagine if we didn't get Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan because they were like, oh, well, with technology, we can, you know, we can bring Alec Guinness back to life. And it's like, no, like, yeah, let, let Ewan take a shot at it. And he does incredible. And like people bitch about CGI Tarkin and the actor playing Tarkin does one, an incredible job. And two looks enough like, uh, the, the late great, I was just going to say Wolf Tarkin again, but that's not who played Wolf Tarkin. <laughs> but he looks enough like the actor who played Tarkin. Right, that, like, I forget his name. Yeah, yeah, forget about it. Like, like, yeah. like just recast, it's fine. So we're, with something like yeah. this, where it turns out that, man, one of the stars of our Disney show is sharing a bunch of anti-Semitic memes and just ranting about how she hates non-binary and trans people. Yeah. Yeah, fuck her. Recast the part. She is not Cara Dune. Cara Dune is uh, bigger than her. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. And I think it's also like, it's also just, 
I do hope that, you know, Hollywood, I guess, um, would get more playful with recasting in general because it's it's just it is so much more fun and there's so many more stories to be told. And there's so there's some really cool things that can happen. Like, I mean, I even saw someone talking about having um, Billy Lord, Carrie Fisher's daughter, play sort of like a young Leia. And I mean, that's like that's a harder one to sort of think about for me personally, just because Leia is Leia and Leia, you know, um, is Carrie Fisher. But but you, you, I stop and I think I'm like, okay, well, first of all, she's her daughter and Billy Lord is, um, I love her and she looks like her mom enough and she, she knows Star Wars and she knows her mom and she knows Leia and like, that's another example of like, just think about how many awesome stories we could get if we're willing to just sort of suspend our disbelief and have fun with the characters instead of being attached to like faces or physical attributes or, or celebrity, you know, name. Yeah, with with Leia, it's definitely a tough one. Exactly, I do it is think a tough Billy one. Lord. If if the story was right and if Billy Lord was comfortable with it, I would support her one hundred percent. Right in right. doing it. Um, yeah, it's just I loved this character when she got announced. Like I immediately fell in love with her. Uh, just seeing the like pictures and like the vague description. And then uh, as the show aired and there was a ton of pushback on her, uh, I was vocally supportive because uh, I thought that Gina did a fine job and I thought the character was badass. And I liked that we had this um, really cool, like tough uh, female character who wasn't a bounty hunter. She was like, right a veteran who was like an outlaw because she didn't want to be a cop. And I was like, like, fuck yeah, this all sounds really cool. <laughs> and then, uh, the, the tweets started and it just didn't stop. And, yeah. um, I still can't believe Disney never gave an official statement. Like there was an interview with right. someone where they said like, yeah, we had to distance ourselves from it, but like right. Disney still never condemned her transphobia by name. They never really condemned the anti-Semitism by name. The anti-Semitism was the right. final straw. And right. I'm glad that like Disney was willing to draw a line in the sand somewhere. <laughs> um, I'm kind of shocked that, it wasn't the like month rampage of transphobia. Right. Uh, that did it. Yeah. It just sucks. Absolutely. And the thing that drove me crazy about the whole thing is, is she, she messed up and she clearly had things to learn. And then Pedro was like, you know, she was like, Oh, Pedro has been teaching me and like, I'm learning and like, I got it. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think some people were still upset and they're valid to be upset. And I think they were tweeting her and everything. And, you know, it to me, what I never what I never understand about like people with bigger platforms is when they choose to engage with people who are dragging them online. And so it was just so wild to watch her say, like, mess up, then say that she's learning um, and Pedro's teaching her a lot. And that's cool. And then all of a sudden, just kind of like do a 180 and just like destroy everything like any hope and like shred any hope of that I had left of her like actually learning and like applying herself to what Pedro was you know allegedly teaching her um 
So that was like, that was also just a, a weird part to it. And the other thing too, is like, you don't have to, you don't have to hit those people up, Gina. If, if people are still coming from you, just continue learning and just be like, just like, you know, just keep doing your job and don't worry about them. You don't have to address them. Um, and then everything with like the tweets that she was liking about, you know, right wing, you know, conspiracies and, and everything else and the anti-Semitism. And what's wild to me is that I feel like the people that were like so quick to critique, like the character of Cara Dune and like Gina and like kind of write her off and be like, what is she doing in the Mandalorian? Were the same people who are now like, how dare Disney fire her? How dare they kick her off the show? You know what I mean? Yep. I'm like, okay, what? I'm like, y'all better like pick a lane. I cannot keep up. Like, and I do not wish to. It's the same 180 that these people did when they realized they hated the sequel trilogy. They were like, oh, George's vision, George's vision. And it's like, didn't you have a four hour like breakdown of how like George Lucas ruined your childhood with the prequels? Yes. Like, yes. Didn't y'all make a documentary, like a feature length documentary about how George Lucas ruined your childhood? Didn't you like share the red letter media breakdowns? Yeah. Like eight, eight thousand times. Like now all of a sudden y'all are, you know, St. George and, and George's defenders and yeah. Disney disrespected his vision. And it's the same thing here of like they all ranted and raved and cried about how there was a woman in the Mandalorian who was tough. Right. And there were tons of videos, uh, attacking her looks saying she was mannish tons of go woke, go broke, you know, slogans going out there. And then all of a sudden Gina comes out as hating immigrants and sharing COVID conspiracies. And she hates trans people. And, uh, you know, the, She's uh, against the Jews controlling Hollywood or whatever it is. And yeah. uh, or no, she compared being a conservative to being a victim of the Jewish. Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. Bonkers. Bonkers shit. Absolutely. Guys. Yep. yep. And all of a sudden she is, you know, beautiful and wonderful and can do no wrong. She's idolized. She's like the ideal woman. That was like the discourse. So like, I mean, anytime I bothered to like give like those arguments, like reads online or like, just like how to see what people were saying on that side of things. I was blown. I was blown away by the way that they're like the way that they talked about her as a woman shifted. And it was horrific. I'm like, okay, so now all of a sudden you respect, you respect her and you idolize her and you like, and she's a victim. I, it, it's, it, yeah, it was wild. I and mean, it's still going to be wild. I mean, that's, that's not going to go away because I know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be negative, but season three, a lot of people are going to have a lot of things to say. And I'm sure there's going to be lots of calls to stop watching Mandalorian and that it's not as good anymore and all that. So I just got to prep myself. I for mean, that. they're, they're harassing literally anyone who has anything to do with Star Wars. Like, yep. uh, Freddie Prince Jr., uh, who is the fucking man. Uh, I love him. Shared uh, a cosplay photo of me and my fiance of uh, two Dragon Age characters, yes. um, because Freddie voices one of them, and he was like, "Oh, look at how cool this is!" And like, one, thank you, Freddie, you're rad. Uh, two, mm-hmm. people were like up in his mentions on that picture, being like, 
why why would why are you sexist? Why do you hate Gina Carano? And it's like what the fuck? Like <laughs> this is Dragon Age. Like the yeah, the mental gymnastics that they <laughs> they have going on. I cannot keep up. Yeah, uh it it just just wild to me. Um that like also like he's not in the Mandalorian. Like I know. He was know. just in the Bad Batch. Leave the man alone. He's not even Literally. he doesn't even go to the school. He goes to a different not one. Related. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, uh, apparently he, you know, called Gina out, but like rightfully so, but still like just like bonkers that like people will even remember that like eight months ago Freddie French Jr. was among right. the the many people who called her out for her bullshit. Oh yeah. They're they are taking notes. They are they're keeping tabs in a in a violent way, in a not very nice way. That is uh, also something that's frustrating is how this character has now become a symbol of yes. uh, these shitty yes. opinions. And like, yes, you know, I mentioned that, like, I love the game Legion and I got a custom figure made. Um, no one was, uh, you know, excited about. Cara Dune in Legion groups like right uh you know there are a lot of fan creators for the game who like 3d print and make files and stuff of characters who aren't in the game yet and then mm-hmm. you can you know get them and paint them and and field them you know uh, in your armies uh you know with like custom rules or, or or as proxies so you could use like Mando and uh Cara Dune in place of Han and Chewie and you oh, just cool. give them Han and Chewie's stats and, and field them and stuff like that. Or Cal Kestis and use Luke, Luke mm-hmm. stats. Um, and so, like, when this episode aired, you know, there was talk of, like, oh, do we think anything from Mando will be in it? And there was all this talk about how they don't want Cara Dune in the game and they hate this new character. And, you know, if someone would post up pictures of their custom Cara Dune stuff and people would, you know, talk shit on it and talk about how they don't want it in the game. And now you can't go into any Legion group anywhere on any website without seeing everyone's, you know, Cara Dune shit. And it's like, yeah, do, do you, did you honestly come around on the character or is this you kind of announcing your, you know, kind of political dogma? Right. And is this you like telling queer fans that they're not welcome? in these spaces and right. uh it's kind of like potter stuff now like oh absolutely when i see people's hogwarts houses in their twitter bios i'm like oh you're an asshole <laughs> yeah. like, and yeah. it sucks that that's what that means now but that's what that means right. now like right. and i do feel bad for my straight friends who don't seem to get it but mm-hmm. like Y'all aren't really my friends if you still don't get it. Like, if you're still eating at Chick-fil-A, like... Yes. That's an opinion now. Like, that is... That is you announcing a belief you have. Right. And, like, I didn't make it that way. I'm not the one who made it. I I didn't make the chicken political. (laughs) Chick-fil-A made the chicken political. Like... Yes. Rowling made Harry Potter... Overtly political. I think there was kind of some 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 subtext there that was always an issue, but right. she made it overtly an issue. And For sure. Gina Carano made Cara Dune an issue, and so now when I see like Cara Dune stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm not safe here. <laughs> I should I should yeah. go. 
Yeah. I, and it, it's, it's such a good point. And it's so selfish the way that it all happened, because when you think about it and when the, you know, those types of fans think about the character of Cara Dune that they so all like that they all love all of a sudden, the most ironic part is Cara Dune would actively fight against any sort of like, uh, uh, you know, direct oppression that that Gina Carano in a lot of ways symbolizes. So it's just ironic. And it's like it's like just um, separating the character from the actor and then figuring out which one you respect more because they're actually two completely, completely different personality profiles. And like they hold different they have total different belief systems, at least in my opinion, like so they it, it's just ironic. It's ironic and it's sad. It's kind of it's it's sad. Well, yeah, seeing seeing politicians like fucking Ted Cruz. Oh, I yeah, I know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Trying to like quote Star Wars and talk about their rebellion. And it's like. My my guy, who's mm-hmm. whose side do you think you're on? Like. You're you're fucking as Morrigan, like you're right. You're not Luke, like right. Cara Dune or Gina Carano isn't like. Jen Erso, like who, who, who do you no. think y'all are? Like, right. which side wears white armor and all looks the same and wants everyone yep. to be the same and wants yep. everyone to step in line and yep. and follow the rules? And which side is colorful and loud and advocating for freedom of expression and you know? unity of all people and unity of all religions, no matter of skin color or sexual orientation or how many tentacles they have. Like, like whose side do y'all think you're on? Absolutely. No. Yeah. And that I read a really interesting article. I'll have to send you um, a few months ago. And it was just about how like, like, like the Republican party has used star Wars from like, from star Wars's inception, like for some reason, um, they they really use Star Wars like terms and stuff to like motivate their 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 crowds or or um you know kind of get reactions and stuff like that and it, it's just kind of interesting to see the way that it Star Wars has been um I'll say weaponized <laughs> um by sort of conservative political figures um because it's it's ironic and it also does really make me kind of like tilt my head and be like. Ooh confused you know confused but also like horrified at how you think that (laughs) that you're the good guys in this situation not saying that you know it's just good and bad but how you think that you know you're fighting for the freedom and liberation of all people and like you know you guys are the rebels and fighting for the underdogs when in reality you know it's very much the opposite so you could really do a great video sometime not to like pitch you a video you should do (laughs) but of george lucas uh, directly calling out oh, yes. right-wing politics in right. Star Wars because it is there from the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. He named uh, quite a few characters after prominent Republicans of the yes. 90s and early 2000s. And yes. like the dude had zero chill. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it is uh, hilarious to me that the creator so despises a certain political party and ideology and those people are constantly mm-hmm. like grasping for uh some sort of like sway over the story when like yeah. 
yeah, like y'all, it's it's not for you, for you guys. Like right. Star Wars is for everyone, but not if you're a fascist. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and not if you're gonna use it to, you know, uh, make make do harm. Not if you're gonna use it to do harm. Um, that's also like another thing that someone else has actually talked to me about. Um, sort of deep diving in because I've scratched the surface a little bit on George George and sort of like what, um like parallels that were made between and that things that he said about political figures and everything. But um, I definitely would like to take a deep dive one day and kind of get into like very specific examples of like separatists and like other characters in the prequel era and clone wars um, that are like directly named after um, politicians during the time. Oh, it's, it's so funny. And I mean like the, the, if you're not with me, you're my enemy line. Like he's directly quoting Bush at times. Yep. Yep. It's very good. So good. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, to swing it back to, to Mando, the, the Gina thing is remarkably unfortunate. It's unfortunate that Cara Dune has kind of become this, this symbol of, uh, extremely unfortunate, uh, political beliefs that like, Mm -hmm. really close to home like i'm that fag with the pronouns in my bio and they're the weird pronouns like right it uh it it sucks yeah it's not great no no it's not it's not and (sighs) we'll see we'll hopefully we'll see how it's handled in season three but i will say i do trust you know john and dave and everyone else on the team to sort of like handle that with care and also i i expect them um to sort of like handle it in a way that makes their stance really clear on why she's no longer in the mandalorian if that makes sense i think i'm a little less confident i suspect Mm. that she will just never be seen or talked about again right right that is my suspicion i would um I would love to see the character recast and reclaimed. Me too. I don't think that will happen. No. Um, I would love Disney to give an actual statement condemning Gina's actions. I mm-hmm. don't think that will happen. Right. Um, I think that they wanted this to be as quiet a distancing as possible, and Gina made mm-hmm. that impossible. So yep. they gave kind of uh, an informal statement Mm -hmm. um it's kind of funny that gina had like no class about it but yeah uh i really wish lucasfilm slash disney would directly call it out i'd love them to moderate their comment sections too i don't think that'll ever happen but that'd be with all that pride merch that just dropped it'd be like nice to go to a star wars comment section and not see just like the worst utter garbage ever. Yeah. Oh boy. Literally, like just hire me at this point. Like I will, I mean, you y'all just pay me $2. I will do it. Like if someone just needs to take it out. It's so harmful and it's really hard to see. And it's, it's also so weird too, because people talk about it. So like, um, no, like as if it's normal or expected because it is, but that doesn't mean that it's okay. If that makes sense. Like people are like, Oh, like there's this new post. Don't look at the comments. Ha ha. And I'm like, okay, but is this a ha ha? <laughs> like, why is this normal? And should it be normal? Well, it's 
the the Gamergate troll to like alt right pipeline is like a straight line. Oh yes, and it's it's remarkably upsetting to see, um, like bad faith actors utilize, uh, fake rage to spread their extremely harmful ideologies mm-hmm. or to grift. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, is is that YouTuber really actually that mad about the newest episode of The Mandalorian? Or does he realize Rage sells? Yes. And he's going to yes. make the money. Oh, yes. I don't, I genuinely don't believe normal people are that angry. And like, when I say normal, I don't mean in a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't mean that in like a condescending way to anyone who maybe right. doesn't view themselves as normal. I'm just like the average person mm-hmm. is not that angry about Star Wars. The average fan right. is not that angry about Star Wars. Right. Right. But if you're angry about women in your everyday life, if you're angry about people of color in your everyday life, if you're angry about queer people in your everyday life, and then you go to YouTube and you like Star Wars and you see a Star Wars video and they're mm-hmm. screaming about how terrible Star Wars is because the SJWs have taken it over. Yeah. That's going to trigger something in you. And you're not that angry about Star Wars. You're angry about whatever that other prejudice is that you have. And right. this fucking grifter is making a buck off of your right. fear. Right. It's it's incredibly dark and upsetting and kind of it a is, downer of an episode now <laughs> whoops well hey i i knew listen as soon as i started this episode i was like ah oh, yes the introduction to cara dune and i and i just was like we're gonna get into it we're gonna get into it and then we're gonna get out of it it'll be great <laughs> um i will say though just to bring it back to positive land yes this show's really good and oh this, my gosh this is a really good episode it is uh Gina Carano uh excluded. It's a great episode. And um I'm happy that you uh volunteered to to do it um because there there was a it felt like a political choice no matter who I asked. Right. You know, right, right. to to be on this episode and like as a as a non-binary person, if someone had asked me like Hey, will you do the Gina episode? I'd be like, I kind of feel weird that you asked me to do oh, the yeah. Gina. You, you know, like that's that's yeah. like a thing. Right. Uh, and like I don't want to be the like genderqueer fan brought out to talk about the the transphobe. Transphobic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like like exactly. it, and then like shunted back to my corner of the internet. And so uh, yeah, it's like, thank you. Yeah. I was I was very appreciative that when I had asked you like, hey, I'd love to have you on. What episode do you want? And you were like, Sanctuary. And I was like, oh, well, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I could do that. Yeah, it's honestly one of my favorite episodes of the season. I think it's just such a fun one. I really don't have much, you know, there's not much to critique for me in this episode. I, I genuinely don't have any negatives about the episode itself. I think it's a really fucking good episode. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then 
Um, one more thing I wanted to mention about like, sort of like, cause I know y'all talked about this on your last episode about sort of like the distance we have rewatching season one and knowing about, you know, death watch and the cult vibes and everything. Um, what was interesting about that, that relationship and that perspective on this episode was when, was when Den kind of explains what's going on in his life and like what happened when, how he became a Mandalorian and everything. And Omera is like, Oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm so sorry about that. And he's just like, yeah, well, this is the way. And just kind of uses like that, that, that emotional suppressive phrase that he's been indoctrinated mm-hmm. with. Um, very sort of like similar to the Jedi in a lot of ways, which is also why I love, um, I love the Den Luke ship. Anyway, um, so it kind of had some of that Jedi emotional suppression moment. And then what's nice about looking at that and then looking back ahead at season two is it reads, it translates really well into season two um, where Din sort of starts to question that that those culty doctrines, and he's like, maybe I maybe I'm allowed to feel something, and maybe I'm allowed to show that I'm feeling something, um, instead of just writing it off and saying, you know, this is the way, and just suppressing all the feeling. Um, we see him at the end of season two, his helmet's off, crying. He's like, no, this isn't just the way. I actually have feelings, and I'm going to feel those feelings. I love all of that. I didn't even pick up on it there, but you're so right that he he uses the the mantra, the the kind of doctrinal mantra to deflect um in that moment and I I didn't pick up on that. A, a similar moment that I did catch was mm-hmm. when Kara asks him what happens if he takes the armor off and he says I can't ever put it back on. And Kara goes, oh, that's it? There were many times where when I was kind of out of the closet with queer friends, but in the closet and like preaching, um, where, you know, I talked to my queer friends and, you know, they'd say like, oh, well, what would happen if you would come out? And I would say, oh, well, like, you know, this, that and the other. And Mm -hmm because they weren't raised in that same environment because they didn't get what I was dealing with as an evangelical, um, mm-hmm. they'd kind of brush it inside and be like, Oh, well, what's the big deal? Or like, yeah. Oh, well you could just go to another church. You could just find right. an accepting church. And it's like, yeah, but I can't like, <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. not, <laughs> What I like, I'm an evangelical and I'm gay, and I know that doesn't compute. And if I announce the one, I right. lose the other, or if yeah. I stick with the one, I have to ignore the other. But right. like, somehow I'm both, even though it's a contradiction, and I can't just mm-hmm. I can't just go to another church. Like that's that wouldn't work for me. Um, yeah. and like eventually, you know, thankfully, I realized it was worth it to be myself, and I think I made the right choice and I'm, I'm thrilled with where I'm at, but the, yeah. I just so connected to Din there where he's like, you know, mm-hmm. heartbroken and he says, I can't put it back on. Like if I take it yeah. off, I can't be a Mandalorian anymore. And to have someone that he respects just kind of flippantly be like, Oh, well that's it. Like, yeah. like she doesn't get it and she couldn't get it. Like she's not a right. Mandalorian and like, right. it, it's not, like wrong of her to not get it. Like there's no way she could relate, but her right. being flippant there is like the last thing didn't need it. 
Right. And it's, it, yeah, it's not exactly empathetic. It's a, it's a short moment, but like, boy, howdy, did I project onto it? Seriously? No. I mean, that's such a, I mean, such a clear, you know, haunting parallel. I mean, that it just makes sense. I, I can completely see that. It's a really gay episode. Oh, mama. We yeah. said, we said, you think, that, yeah, like, it's so funny because when I started Mandalorian for the first time, I was like, this like, isn't as like, hoorah, as I thought I was going to be. It wasn't as like, bro And then like, by this episode, I was like, oh, that's because it's, it's because it's gay. It's because it's gay. <laughs> it's really the moment where I think it, it, it accepted its, its sort of like, queerness and really started to sit in it in a deeper way. I, yeah, I completely agree. My biggest fear coming into the show was that it would be you know, a badass man doing badass things for badass yep. reasons. And it's, right. uh, in a lot of ways, none of those things. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes the show so good. Exactly. Well, Chase, uh, I have kept you so long. I only just I looked it. at the time because I got a text from Ryan <laughs> that he just got home. Uh, I am so sorry that I kept you this long. Uh, no, I where, lo- absolutely loved it. Where can people find you? Um, on YouTube, um, as that gay Jedi or Twitter at underscore that gay Jedi. <laughs> if you are listening to this episode when it drops, that means it's uh Friday, so you should immediately go to Chase's YouTube channel at three o'clock Eastern Standard Time and watch the newest that gay Jedi episode and then watch all of his backlog, give them all thumbs up. Comment on every episode and subscribe. <laughs> Comments drive up engagement. Likes are for peasants. Comments are for kings. Leave a comment. <laughs> and then uh, Friday night, go join our friends over at Pink Milk uh, for their, I'll uh, be there. their 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 spicy, saucy stream that they do. I love Pink the Milk. The steam room, part. baby. Always a good time. Yeah, we get that. We got the whole fry gay energy now. It's yeah, it's, it's very good. Friends, it's the decade Jedi. It's the pink milk after dark. We get is it is it, a good way to start the weekend. It's definitely like I've thought, like, do we go weekly? And like, no, no, I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I do two other weekly podcasts. I cannot I cannot take Force Friends weekly. But I do love right. when when the stars align for that every other week Friday. And it is so fun. It's a good time. Well, that's going to do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Force Friends Pod. Uh, all of these things don't matter anymore. I'm looking at my script. I got to alter this. Um, <laughs> you can leave that in, Ronnie. This can just be a train wreck of an outro. Uh, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Force Friends Pod. Join us at Patreon, uh, where they may radio. It's Patreon at uh, or slash WTM Radio. Our newest podcast, Fan Fiction is Good, actually, is live. It's fucking amazing. I'm not just saying that because I sleep yeah. with the host, but it is <laughs> a very good show. Um, this this first episode is extremely like scholarly look at fan fiction from uh, uh, a very cool person who is uh, like studying science fiction for their thesis. It's fucking. Mm a fucking rad episode um uh i have heard recordings of some very unhinged episodes that are coming but if you want a positive look at fan fiction there's a lot of podcasts out there that kind of do a kind of tongue-in-cheek look or uh, a sarcastic reading of it but this is a uh, a heartfelt love letter to fan fiction 
and the people who write it and the people who read it. And I think you'll really enjoy it. And my darling fiance is the host. So go listen and be nice. <laughs> um, uh, ending pending is also on the network. If you want to hear more of me and um, our wonderful producer of this show, Ronnie, uh, ending pending is great. You should check that out. It's weekly. I do too many shows. Um, uh, but yeah, Patreon, WTM radio, follow it. Give us money. We want it. Uh, you know, we need, we need, we need those credits. Credits will do fine. And then, uh, we want to give a huge thanks to our producer, Bristol Podworks. Reach out to them to make your podcast dreams come true. They also do our phenomenal intro, which fucking slaps. Ronnie is amazing. Give him all the love in the world and reach out to him if you want to make a podcast. Uh, He'll help you make a podcast. Do you think I can make a podcast? I can't make a podcast. I can't even do a fucking outro. So reach out to Ronnie. He'll make you sound like a podcaster. I want to say thank you so much. This has been so much fun. And it's I love talking with you on Twitter. So it was even more of a treat to be able to talk with you. in in person in online over voice it's yeah, been awesome it's, so thank it, you so much as someone who has watched all of your videos and loves your channel it it is like weird because i know your voice yeah <laughs> and so it, it it feels like oh like we're 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 just catching up but this is our first time right. actually like vocally talking to each other and i yeah. could not have been more thrilled that uh, I got a solo episode with you. I feel so special. Yes, I know. And it's like same here with listening to the episodes. It's 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 it, between talk tweet, you know, sharing some tweets and 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 hearing listening to the podcast. It's like, OK, we got it. It's 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 awesome. Yeah. So thank you so very much for for joining us and giving your time for giving so much of your time. I again, I'm sorry I kept you late. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. No, I had an absolute blast. I loved it. Thank you. Chase, how do we end the podcast? Um, I love to end all of my Star Wars conversations with a little Gay the Force be with you. Gay the Force be with you. I did not say it at the same time as you, but I said it after, and I think that's good. Well, we can say it together. Right. Ready? Three, two, one. Gay, Gay the, the Force, Force be, be with, with you. you. Yes. Love it. <laughs> Where They May Radio.